And just like that, folks, here we go. We are live once again. God, it feels like forever since we've been here. The mics are up, the laptop's out, and we're doing it. This is Inside the Whale. I am Doug Cody. This is Nantucket's podcast. I hope this episode finds you guys good. I apologize that it's been so long since I posted an episode, but uh, what can I say? A lot of things going on in the family life, you know, and that's part of life. I uh, We traveled, took a trip out to Utah, got to do some skiing, which was cool. I think it's interesting. Well, a lot of Nantucket, uh, we don't realize how fortunate we are. Most people take vacations, this idea of taking a vacation. And uh, I don't know, sitting on the plane, taking off, you're like, wow, I just never took vacations before. When I was living in New York, just vacations weren't something that I did. But uh, now I'm lucky enough to be able to go out to Utah and ski in Alta, and it was amazing. What a what a cool, beautiful place. Utah is a magical, magical state. Uh, can't say enough about it. But uh, I'm one of those persons when you go away, like I love going away, but I really love coming home. We both, my wife and I both find ourselves being like, oh, we're ready to go home. Get back to Nantucket, the island we love, the island we call home. I think it's funny, too, when you meet people when you're traveling, you tell them you live in Nantucket, they always go, you're round? Huh. Like somehow in their brain, they didn't compute that people actually live there year-round. They just think that it, uh, the island in, in their head exists from July to August or something. It's weird. It's like, yeah, man, I live there. <laughs> and then I tell them I live there full uh, you know, year round, they say, what's that like? I was like, I don't know. It's like, what's it like where you live year round? It's same thing. You know, you go to the store, you get groceries, you come home, you have a beer and you go to sleep. Right. Anyway, <laughs> enough about me, Nantucket. All right, here we go. Episode 46. My guest today, Rita Higgins. She is running for board of select and I thought she would be a perfect guest for the podcast because I think it's interesting anytime someone makes a decision to enter in the world of politics, whether it's town politics or or big government politics, the decision usually is driven out of passion, and uh, Rita certainly is a woman of passion, and I thought it would be great to have her on and listen to some of her ideas and some of, the, some of her visions for how she thinks Nantucket uh, is going to evolve. I think it's important that uh, politics gets new, fresh blood, some different perspectives, some new perspectives, and I think uh, Rita's got that. So I thought it'd be important to have her sit down, and you guys can hear our conversation and get a feel for uh, where she's coming from, get Rita's vibe. So I think that being, I'm not going to say too much else. I'll let you listen to our conversation. I think you'll get a good feel about uh, where she sees this island going and what she wants to do to make this island better. So that being said, folks, here we go. Episode 46, Inside the Whale. We're doing it. It's time to go deep now. Inside the Whale. Right now, you might whale. Show us your crooked jaw. Show us your wrinkled brow. Rise. He rises! Big as an island. A whale, a whale, a whale, as big as an island. Oh, you know, but I do find myself um, 
likes, but the, here's the good news. Oh um, like, um, oh, um, that's, that's the worst. all the podcasts that I listen to, I listen to Joe Rogan, a lot of people do it. It's not just, it's not you, just, it's yeah, not just yeah. you know, good articulate interviewers, Char- Charlie Rose, yeah. or you're going to have natural conversations have yeah. ums and likes and, and, and pauses. I can, li- I can, it's like a, 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 a verbal thinking pause. Exactly. Right. Um, let me get my thoughts, mm, together, get my thoughts together, but not be totally But silent. the process of speaking when it's recorded takes, you know, it's, it's a little different, but hopefully, yeah. you know, I try and make it, this feels a little more organic and natural. But, uh, you know, I, so don't worry about your ums and likes. Okay. But we're rolling. I'm so like, I, we're, we're oh, rolling right now. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's the thing. Good to that's know. the beauty about it is it just kind of happens. It shouldn't just be like, okay, action. Now let's talk. All right. We're going. You know? I didn't even say um. Well, there we you go. The whole thing well, you yet, can get so. it. But don't worry about that anyway. <laughs> I think we should start with why someone wants to uh, get into town politics, especially on Nantucket. I think town politics anywhere is is tricky and I think the smaller the town the easier it is to get involved but also the more uh, frightening it is in a way I I think for me a lot of naivety I'll definitely say that Um, being back on the island for the past four years and doing things like HDC um, being involved in you know small minor political events I can I know it's there it's always there Um, I didn't think about it a whole lot when I put my name in Uh, and I think that uh, I've just felt compelled that uh, to get more involved. And I do think there's a lot of barriers to entry, at least in our our heads as the younger generation. We think there are a lot of barriers to entry to be involved in politics on an island like this. But the way Nantucket is set up with our town meetings and the commissions and committees, uh, we have an amazing history of political activism and political involvement, and it's set up for people to be involved. And I I just felt... At this point, back four years, the only way to do it was to just jump in. Uh, I'm not worried about the town politics. I've lived in small, tiny villages before. I know that it can be very difficult, but I I think that I've been able to navigate those kind of, those different groups and group interests before, and I'm not worried about it. It's... uh, Was there one specific thing, though? You said that there was one, you know, was there, what was the moment because this, I find it interesting. What was the moment you're like, you know, I'm going to do this. I really think I want to, I want to run for selectman. It's something that had, I'd been, had been brought up to me for the past, over the past six months. And I said, no, no. So not someone for me. came to you and said, why don't you run? People have dropped hints. And I kept saying, no, no, not for me, not for me, not for me. I have felt for a long time uh, that business is the best way to make an impact environmentally because it's a way that you can get to the mainstream um, and be a little bit more nimble than politics and a little more innovative. Uh, But just before February 14th, which was the day the signatures were due, the Monday before, a couple people called and and said, you should go for it. And I just had this moment where I said, all right. The main thing was that I went down and pulled my papers. And this is where small town and small town politics comes in is I pulled the papers. I said to myself, I'm going to read through this. I'm going to think about it. I'll get the signatures on Tuesday and hand it in. 
And within 10 minutes of pulling paper, I was getting texts and, and uh, phone calls saying, I heard you pulled papers. So someone was staking out the corner of the town building. Right. And once, <laughs> Small once town, it was, yeah. word spreads. Right? So once it was out there, uh, there was no going back. So on the Tuesday, I went around and got the signatures and handed them in. And how many signatures do you need? Uh, 37 is what you need, but they say to get 50 because you have to make sure everyone's a registered voter. Okay. Uh, and I went to the usual haunts. I let people know, and it was really amazing to see people kind of running down to to sign. I had all my signatures by three p.m. I took an hour and a half to think about it, and four thirty I handed them in, and that was it. And so now you're running for is selectman or select woman? Select board of select board of select. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And you're going around with your you have a platform. Yes, my my platform essentially is uh, the environment, water quality, and housing. Those are my three platforms. It's where I have the most experience. As I look at the Board of Selectmen as they are now and what it could be, uh, depending on who gets elected, I think we have to have diversity on the board. And I really feel that there's a potential for two voices to be totally missing from the board, which would be trades and uh, housing, uh, renters. I think that the housing has really, it's something that has been an issue for 30 years on Nantucket. People have been talking about it for 30 years. I think each year that goes by, it's accelerating towards becoming more of a crisis and really pushing people. Well, I think where it is a crisis. I don't think it, you know. I think, well, I think it can get worse. So I, I think that while it, it could be, uh, maybe it is just a full-blown crisis. I, I think, I guess why, I, th- I think it could still get worse. I do see, see opportunity uh, to make the problem better still, whereas crisis is just total mitigation and abatement where I think we can still do things. I think there's the physical housing crisis, but I also think there's the sense of people, a, a d- despondency that they will never be able to live here and call Nantucket home. And that's what I think we can, um, I think we can stem that. If, uh, yeah, I was just gonna say how. What 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 are what's your solution? I don't. What do you think Nantucket needs to fix that problem? I don't have a solution, per se, but I do think that we need everyone's voices, renters included, uh, being heard and part of making the policy. What I feel like I'm seeing, and and my platform, what I've said is that I think we need people-driven solutions. Right now, I think that a lot of the solutions that are being put on the table are being driven by numbers. So I see the options that are out there, and I look at it through my own eyes as a renter, uh, someone who's having difficulty finding housing. I found an amazing spot now, so I can do things like run for Board of Selectmen, not worry about my housing. Um, and I see that what is being put out there, I feel, I'm not, they're not appealing to me. These aren't solving the problem for myself or my friends. And I think that the only way we're going to find those solutions is by... Um, Myself, my friends, other people who are looking what's out there and what's being put on the table um, if we're part of the conversation and part of the policymaking. And I don't know what they are. I think there's this isn't just a Nantucket problem. This is a problem all over the country. But because we're an island, uh, we feel it a little bit more uh, strictly than other places that can expand out. So I think there's other places that are dealing with this right now that we can look to for some for some new ideas. Yeah, there was the the Lord B 
plan, right? The, well, the one that was got shut down, though, right? 40B. The, um, the 40 on the Surfside. Yeah, yeah, which got shut down. Were you in favor of that? Did you want that built? N- not the way it was being put forward. And I think that the, the developments that are going forward now, again, I think in theory, uh, yes, we need them. But the way that they're go- being put forward, I think they can be done better. And I think that's what we have to really look at is what sort of infrastructure problems are we creating for the island when we um, put high-density buildings in it in an area that already has density issues and infrastructure yeah. issues. Um, what are these, you know, what are these, are these houses? I, I have a really big problem with um, the idea of a house versus a home. I think that when housing is looked at through the eyes of a developer they're building houses versus creating homes so what i'm seeing being put out there are houses and they're going to be flipped and i think when you always look at housing as as an investment it stays a house and it's hard to That's make it interesting. a home uh, so. there's an ethical uh sort of through line in there if you're just doing it for profit yeah it's I, a, but you're also feeling a need but it's just, I think it's... I like, think that there's, you know, there's developers that see the need and it's essential to work with developers. They see a need, they're willing to take the gamble, they have the money, the financing to do it. But I, I do feel, and I saw this in Ireland, is that they had, when I was there for five years, they're at the tail end of a housing boom. And everyone said, we have this increasing population, we need houses, 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 houses. And what they're left now with are ghost ghost estates. Nobody wants to live in them. Nobody wants to buy them because developers said, we're going to put money into this. People need housing. But they never really talked to the people who were going to be buying and say, if I'm going to build this, put the money into it. What do you want to live in? And yeah. that's why I feel like that. It, it, it's not easy. It's, you know, it's at the end of the day, developers are taking the gamble. They're investing in it. So they need to make money. But I just think, again, that in solving our problem here, we need to be more engaged with the people that actually need the housing and who want homes, not just a house. Yeah. And you mentioned the population. I think we should talk about that because I've just having lived here now for five years or so, I can, I'm looking around and I, I you can see it. I think the last census, it was 10,000, but there's way more than 10,000. I always say, if you want a, a, get a, a, any sort of barometer of what the population is, talk to the people in the ER mm-hmm. and talk to the people in the medical facilities because those are the people, the doctors and stuff that are seeing the influx of people come here and, yeah. and the population, I don't know, it's gotta be, I'm saying it's over 20. What do you think it is, if you had to guess? I think that even conservatively, some people feel it's 15 to 18. So I think over 20 is, is within reason. Maybe I'm high. I could be high, but I don't know. I'm just, it, it is pretty interesting, though, because yeah. you're seeing, and we need the infrastructure to do that. Yeah. So, But I always like to play, when I think about an issue like this, I think Devil's Advocate will, will say, well, you know what? We're just, a, we're just in, a, in a rise right now. So we build all these housing uh, for, we build more houses and then like you said there's then then it's going to go we're going to go in a recession and then all these houses the work goes down the houses sit empty and then it's wasted real estate i don't know i just think i'm that, just playing devil's advocate yeah How no absolutely that? i think that on an island like nantucket at this stage i don't think that the simple game of supply and demand is going to fix it and i think there will always be ebbs and flows i just think that we are at a, already at a population level and just the numbers with in and around 70% of the houses on Nantucket being owned by non-residents, 
just that number alone, when you start to do the math on, on the, if there's 10,000 people uh, who are not filling in the census and they need to be included, when you start doing the numbers with 70% being owned by non-residents, the number of people who need year-round housing, I, I just don't think that we can say that supply, demand, ebbs and flows, it'll eventually work itself out because we have a finite amount of land and space that we can, we can utilize to, for the supply. Uh, and I think that supply and demand, that's one thing that I, I, I do just disagree with is that there are some people that feel supply and demand will fix this, but I feel like supply and demand relies on a competitive market, which we will never have. I will never be able to compete with my clients uh, if a piece of property comes up for sale. And there's always what they would call negative externalities in a supply and demand system. And those are almost always environmental and social issues. So you're not going to fix the environmental issues and the social issues caused by relying on just adding more supply to the market by adding more supply to the market. So I think we really have to look at uh, doing, doing this differently. I, I think we will ebb and flow naturally as an economy overall. Um, but I don't see us being able to just say if we just keep adding we're going to fix this, or the yeah. population will decrease because there's no housing. It will to a certain extent, but I, I think that that extra five, eight, ten thousand 10,000 people in the census, we have to find out who they are, and we have to find out what they want, how they want to live on Nantucket, and we might have to look at it outside of a typical, let's just keep building. Yeah, it's a very complex uh, issue. Dairy. I don't necessarily, like you said, I don't think there's one magic solution. I think that there's a lot of factors that play into that rising population, construction costs, and just one thing that I always think that concerns me is just people like that have, you know, the struggle of trying to stay on Nantucket. Yes. You know, it's harder and harder for people to buy property. And, you know, I think the the idea of what you want as you get into your adulthood is you want to have a business and you want to be able to buy a home for yourself. And I mm -hmm. think that for people like yourself mm -hmm. or friends of ours, it's harder and harder to, to, to have that on Nantucket. Yeah. So what can, what can we do to make that? I mean, there's the housing uh, authority, mm -hmm. affordable um, housing, but housing that's, authority. that's, that's, but that's even contentious, right? Because it's really hard to get on that list, right? There's so many, stringent uh, qualifications to make you, uh, you know, to come up for that, right? Yeah. So how do we change that? How do we make it? I think that we have to look at, I think we have to look at, again, understanding how people want to live. Uh, I don't need more than a thousand square feet. I, I don't know that a lot of my friends, that the cottage that we're in right now is less than a thousand square feet. Most of my friends come in and say, this is all I need. Uh, so I think getting a better understanding of what people want and what they need, I think utilizing some of the existing stock that's available, providing incentives. I, I think one of the things we have to do, and I don't know how to do it, but I do think that non-residents and seasonal um, Nantucketers have to understand that this is their problem too. And if we can engage them, there might be a way that they can help us. There's cottages there's land sitting empty and there might be a way that people are open to we just don't really know what people are open to I think we're too focused on building 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 meeting certain numbers meeting you know um uh I, I think it's the numbers that we're trying to meet state 
uh, required by the state, that we're not really going out to people that could be helping us solve the problem. Again, I think that there's opportunities for cooperative living, uh, collaborative purchases. Um, there's people my age bracket that have money that needs to be mobilized. I have money that I would like to invest on Nantucket. I can't do it at the, at the, the barriers to entry are too high, but I also have friends who have about the same money. And if there was a way that we could mobilize the money that we have to buy property on Nantucket, uh, it might, for some people, they might say, well, I would never want to do that with friends. Or what about the value of the land? Because now you're splitting it between three people. Those are things that I'm willing to, to look at and to, to compromise in order to have land and houses on Nantucket. And I think if we can find ways to, to facilitate sort of non-conventional purchasing or <laughs> yeah. cooperative living or things like that. It's so like funny. That. I was just thinking sustainable. There's all these sustainable Nantuckets and stuff. And it, it you know, even for, for people to sustain, not only like environmentally sustainable stuff, but it's uh, Nantucket is an interesting beast. It is. It is fascinating. And I get more interested in it the more I observe and watch all the construction and you see the you know the immigrant community grow mm -hmm. there's a lot of dynamics we have a you know the population growing and uh, I think it's going to take a lot of uh, smart people in our town politics even more so now yes and again I just really think a diversity of perspectives because if it's the same sort of you know I think even about it when I'm I'm designing landscapes and you can you know more and more there's being value placed on the resiliency of any little ecosystem and I think this applies to people into an island relies in diversity if you are growing a monocrop if you're growing just corn you're more vulnerable to you know storm everything your whole livelihood is more vulnerable uh, because you're only you've only got the one crop and I think that applies to uh, problem solving and to people and to island economies it's you have to have you can't put all your eggs in one basket. Right. Sort of scenario. So have you always been a gardener? Was that your back? What was your, tr um, your background? It, it was really forestry. Uh, I got into forestry while I was at university and realized that Where'd I... Where'd you go to school? McGill up in Montreal. Okay. And I was studying environment and development. I actually started out in political science. Six months of that, I said, politics is not the way forward. <laughs> <laughs> How ironic. I've come full circle. How I, yeah, it is, that circle. is his full circle. <laughs> I will not get involved in politics ever. Is that um, one poli-sci class you had enough? <laughs> yeah, well, it was a couple poli-sci. <laughs> but I just, you know, in the poli-sci classes, my interests, interests were already leaning towards the environmental issues and also already starting to see how long things took when you're working in government uh, and feeling that already in 2000, feeling like the environmental issues that we are facing needed more expediency in our approach. So I thought, I can try non-governmental organizations, I can try nonprofits. maybe there's something within the government um, that would be appealing. But what happened is, between the forestry, learning to surf, most of these government and non-government and non-profit positions were in places like Washington, D.C., and places where... I wasn't going to be able to be outside, be near the ocean. Right. So, um, and I also, you know, spent time working for nonprofits and non-governmental organizations to see what the opportunities were. And that's where I started to lean towards business uh, as a way to uh, address environmental issues and, again, have a little bit more, be able to move things more quickly. 
But now, particularly when it comes to the environment, 15 years later, I'm understanding how it really takes um, dedication by municipalities, by the government. The government has to want and put emphasis and importance and priority on environmental issues or else nothing's going to happen. So yeah. it still takes a long time, which is why for me, getting involved now when maybe I, I don't have as much as experience as other people or as much time on Nantucket, I feel like from an environmental point of view, we have to start looking at each of our policies, looking how they impact our environment. I mean, you don't have to be a, an expert. The fisheries, you look out off of Cisco and you see 22, you know, Pete Kaiser is a great advocate for this, but you just... You look out there and you see all these fishing boats just absolutely wiping out the water. And it's serious. Yeah. Uh, I think fishing is probably one of the... Anything involving water is one of the most difficult, complex areas to start to try and make policy and to understand. There's so much we don't understand about our ocean ecosystem. We understand our impact. What we understand the most is that point where land meets water, so the way our runoff and our effluent affects the area immediately around us. But I think that where it really becomes complex, and I think this is where going back through the history of Nantucket, it is a fishing island, and we've gotten so far away from that, and you see all these you know, fishermen coming in from outside, and uh, there's just a lot of questions as to... I'm a big believer in eating locally, supporting local communities, um, and, and looking at how the policy affects our local fishermen and also how we eat all up and down. See that now coast. when you say that I am totally with you, but I think that that theory and that 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 mindset, how do you push how do you convey that because ultimately business it comes down to business. Mm-hmm. And those people that are the CEOs and business they're about their bo- it's all about bottom line. They don't think you know eat locally and and buy locally and so they don't I don't think that they understand it's not about that and you know they I'm sure on paper or in conversation they'd say you know we really want to do that but ultimately it's a business and businesses need to make money right so how do you convince that person those people to say you know what we're going to rethink our fishing practices because it's I just don't I think it's hard to to push that message through well I think my question would be I don't even need to, to my, my feeling is that businesses make money, they rely, the only way they make money is by having consumers. So how do you change a CEO of a big business who's affecting policy and affecting food policy and distribution is by being a consumer that's demanding something other than what they're providing. And that takes a lot of people, but you can see it, organic eggs. Five years ago, Nobody really cared about organic eggs. Now everybody wants organic eggs. That's it's the biggest, one of the biggest food trends, top 10 food trends of 2017. So I think it's a matter of realizing that, you know, we are consumers and that we do, we, we have to affect the policy. Small local businesses are important to me. That's how I'm going to try and spend my money as much as possible. It's not realistic or feasible. I definitely don't make enough money to always buy local at all. But when I do buy bigger, I, I know also what I'm doing. And I think that we, we have to, you know, when it comes to fishing, when it comes to food, 
when it comes to changing the policy and it, that goes beyond fishing and food and look being we, we feel like we're at the whims of big business and I think the only way to take that back is to understand where your money's going and I think that spending locally you have a better idea power in the consumer yeah getting yeah. everyone on board a conscious consumer knowing that you know you're not always going to be able to make the best decision but knowing that you are making a decision and your decision has impact and so trying to make the decisions you can, the best ones you can, when you can. So I want to talk a little bit about Nantucket politics the way I, I've observed. What, what it seems to me is there's a lot of uh, idiosyncrasies that go on, not only in just um, with, like our zoning is one issue. Some, you know, how do you how do you plan to navigate? How do you navigate that? Because it, HDC can. I hear people bitch about all the hypocrisies of the HDC. Like some people get some uh, shed passed through while this other guy can't. Why does that exist in Nantucket? Is it money? Is it power, influence? What is it about Nantucket that, that allows that to happen? And, and, and if I'm speaking wrong or, or out of turn or, or oh, completely yeah. full of shit, you can say, no, you're wrong, actually. But from what I can see and what I've discerned, there's a lot of hypocrisies and idiosyncrasies that exist within the politics of Nantucket. Yeah. I And I don't think that is unique to Nantucket. I do think that there's an element of that that always exists in politics, and the smaller the town gets, the more that happens. Because a lot of the way things get done is by knowing people. It's always about who you know. And so I, I don't think that's unique to Nantucket. I think... Having, you know, it's clear, HDC has clear statements and ideas about what they're trying to achieve. Do some things not really fall in with that and get past? Absolutely. I, I don't know. I think it's it's always a problem. It's it's can be labeled as political corruption. And I just don't. Is it? I don't know. What do you think? I, I think it's a, a gray area. I think, yeah, I think any time you say these are the rules and then something happens outside of those rules and people who are involved in making the rules are involved in those deals, in theory, that's political corruption. But I also just think it is the nature of... Politics? <laughs> the, of politics. And I think that's one of the reasons, you know, 15 years ago I said politics isn't for me because I kind of try to operate where uh, you do the best thing you, you play by the rules and you do the best thing for the most people so you play by to, the rules that you make yeah. <laughs> well i haven't made any i yet, make the rules so. <laughs> uh I, I you know how to navigate it i i think you just have to know that it's there know that it exists and i i think the the only way to really get around it you, you don't get around it is to just understand to your best ability all the people involved, ask questions, let people know why you think what you think, where you're coming from, and go forward. And I think many people have pointed out uh, why some people would vote for me, even though they don't know me, is because I don't have an agenda. I don't know enough. I don't know enough people even to have one. I just really think that uh, Nantucket is home. I love the island. And I just, if, if we don't start figuring out some of our major issues and having more perspective, having a conversation with the younger generation that will be inheriting the island, then we can't go forward. And or we will, we, or the island will be unknown to a lot of us that call it home. So that's, that's my only agenda. So how well, I, I think that's a, that's a great uh, starting point, you know, trying to 
keep it sustainable for people like yourself that that are workers that are part of the community that want to do what everyone else seems to uh all the summer people can come and buy houses and you know have have a family raise a family Mm -hmm. and, and buy a house i mean there is opportunities out there but i guess it's you know, making it more accessible. Yeah, I think, and what I'm really seeing as well is that there's, it's, it is both the year-round housing and people like myself who want to stay and want to be here. And there's also the, the seasonal housing because for so many of us, we came over and we had the ability to say, I love Nantucket April to November or May to September and I'm going to work really hard, and then I'm going to go away in the winter. And those people are as important to driving our tourist economy as the people that are staying here year-round. Because these summer businesses, a lot of people do that. They there was no, there is no work for them in the winter. So it, it's people who have to be willing to have that lifestyle, that nomadic lifestyle, go work somewhere else, come back with a little bit of uncertainty, and jump right back in. But what I think has changed, at least in the last four years, if not even five or six years, is that that seasonal housing is getting more and more difficult. So people are saying, I can't, I can't do the Nantucket thing anymore. And we're losing that, that seasonal, workforce. that workforce. And the people that are willing to say, I don't need to live here year round. Don't worry about it, but I'll come back. I'll find my housing and I'll be here for a couple months and I'll give it my all. And then I'm gone again. And that is, that is what I think that's looked down on sometimes on Nantucket. Um, but they're actually essential. And we have to look at, you know, that housing as well. What about a tax break for summer residents if they were to like offer up their studio garage above their above their uh, you know their house out in Pulpus if they if they were willing they'd get a tax break or some sort of like I don't know yeah I, I, I don't know I was just trying to no, think of something I, that would solve the I I don't necessarily I guess the building to me I think don't I don't think building is the answer. Mm. And uh, someone said this to me a while back. They were like, you know, the more you build, we, we, don't, we already have, it's an island. There's only so much space, so many people can move. So making, building more apartment complexes and stuff and just adding more people doesn't necessarily solve any problem. It just creates more. And I kind of, at first I was like, what you and then I kind of thought about it. And I was like, you know, in some ways he was right it's an island he's like nantucket has always been an island of ebbs and flows mm-hmm. and this guy was old school mm-hmm. you know but he's like it's all the same argument's been going on since uh the 60s you know people come yeah. people go it's always that's just the nature of the beast yeah so i i mean i guess it's uh it's difficult to pinpoint the the solution but i think we're getting into a tricky uh we're getting we're, we're at a tricky point with Nantucket where why so many people have come here probably yourself included we know why included. people come here <laughs> it's awesome it's amazing <laughs> it's, it's amazing. amazing but a lot of what makes it amazing is that it is a rural town out to sea surrounded by ocean there's trees there's a sense of being in a rural area and I think that that's that's a lot of why summer people come that's a lot of why people end up staying year-round and I think the problem with continuing to build, both for the arounders, old and new, and for summer residents, is that even if we built another 5,000 units and people were really excited because now, you know, there was more affordable housing on the market and there's more houses for everyone. And even if they were empty for 10 years, we've, we've totally changed the aesthetics, the landscape of Nantucket. And I think that landscape is, 
is essential to why people come here. And I think the more we build, the more urban it becomes. And I didn't come here because I like urban areas. I came here because I really don't. And I think that we're, we're shooting ourselves in the foot well, a little you're, bit. You're hitting on something that I've heard. Uh, Nantucket has really sort of evolved into a little flashier of an island. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you know, it, it's kind of become a little... We've uh, become trendy, which I think is a dangerous ebb and flow because we're the, we're the it place to be. And I have had a sense, it was really strange this summer, getting off the boat. I love the slow boat. I love having two hours to just get the mainland behind you, get into the Nantucket mode, uh, and arrive on the island. And it was funny because I was. this was actually an, an experience I had coming on the High Line and pulling into the High Line and pulling to the, to the wharf, and it felt like Disney World. It felt like people, I looked at the, the shops and the boutiques, and I was imagining all the scallopers over there, imagining it as a, as a functioning fishing village and, and kind of looking at And I think that's what trendiness can do, is it's kind of, people aren't here necessarily because they love Nantucket the way... People have loved Nantucket for a long time. It's the in place to be. And I think that's great for the economy. The economy is booming. But I think that, you know, that was a vision for Nantucket that we we needed in a way to preserve some of the character and to build a, a more of a year-round economy because without that, without that, without it becoming an it place, we would have a lot fewer people on island. We have a lot less money on island. But again, I just, I, I think we're at a point where we have to decide next 20 years, what is Nantucket going to look like? How are we encouraging people to come here? Why are they coming here? And so that's a great uh, talking point. Where, what do we want, what do you want Nantucket to look like in the next 20 years? How do you see Nantucket evolving? That's a big question. That is a big question. <laughs> uh, I would, I would like to see it still be a peaceful, relaxed relaxing, beautiful place with pristine beaches and dunes and, you know, we have a lot of land bank land and we have a lot of conservation land. So a certain element of that will happen. Um, I would like to see uh, an economy that is more diversified as well. So it's not just tourism. Uh, We're building local businesses that go beyond construction I do. I think part of that ebb and flow is that if we just build and we, by more building, we're building up this construction economy. And because we're an island, that is going, the bottom can fall out of it really quickly. And then we lose that whole sector of the community. So I think we have to look at, you know, how are we going to encourage economic development in other directions? So we're not so vulnerable to, to uh, construction dropping off. 20 years, I, I, I sound, I sometimes I feel like I sound older than I am, <laughs> but I, there's a certain element of I do like Nantucket today. I have what I would call a vicarious love for the island as it was in the 70s. So I would like to see an island that is a little more environmentally progressive, that we solve our problems, our waste problems, our energy problems, are building problems in a way that minimizes the impact. Because I do think that, it frightens me to think about what the island would look like in 20 years if we just kept building the way we're building. And, and as much I think as, that's a legitimate concern. It's real. 
Yeah. And so it, what would it look, what would it look like in 20 years? Hopefully not too different. I, I, if it grew up, because I think that's our only other option is to keep growing taller. I don't think I would have the same connection to Nantucket that I feel right now. I don't think it's going to grow necessarily taller. I think it already is though. It's just, everything's going to change. You know, I, I always think about my na- my neighborhood in the East Village and how I wow, I felt it, I really felt it changing mm-hmm. and why you bought up all these places and I, mm-hmm. it was changing but I was also getting older yeah and I was just you know it's gonna be change is inevitable mm-hmm. but uh, I think what you're saying is trying to monitor that change and make it change within the confines that doesn't lose the authenticity of what the island is yeah I think really the core the essence of Nantucket and I I don't think there's, uh, I think it's a good time to, to, to step back and think about that. But people like us can make that though, you know, we can, as long as we're conscious of it, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's, you know, whether you're a gardener, whether you're construction, whether mm-hmm. you're a musician, whatever it is, it's, you know, the, the, the people, I will say the year round community is pretty awesome. It's fantastic. It's, there's such an amazing community here. Yeah, and I, I think it kind of going back to what we were talking about before is my concern is that uh, they're feeling like they, they can't make it here anymore. So that really wonderful community feels one foot in, one foot out. I totally 100% agree with you. And I, I've spoken about this in the podcast that I was always nervous that someone like a person like myself couldn't come out here and make a go at it. So mm-hmm. you're going to lose people that are you know, creative or other type of uh, whatever their skill is, yeah. just can't make it here. And yeah. when that starts falling off, you then you really do have the Disneyland. Yeah. And I think, again, this is something, it's ultimately it's gentrification, which is happening in Brooklyn. Huge. I mean, Williamsburg, yeah. my mm. older brother lived in Williamsburg Crazy. when it was, um, he lived in an old express factory warehouse and he actually you know, paid no rent. They had the rooftop. You could see Manhattan. And when he moved in, there were still boxes of sweaters from Express. Now you go to Williamsburg and it's, it's, un, I think he paid Boutiques like, and yeah. it's crazy. So it's, it's just, it's gentrification the same way it's happening in East Village, the same way it's happening in Brooklyn and New York and Boston. And again, it's, we just don't have the ability to expand beyond our shores unless maybe, you know, that is an opportunity somehow. Can you create, there's a lot of people already moving to the Cape, moving to Hyannis, uh, trying to make Nantucket work for them in that way. A lot of them don't want to, but they've had to. So when we're looking at solutions, what I think is really missing right now, there was a, a master plan for the town put together back in 2009. Uh, they asked, they really, a lot of information went into that. A lot of people from all different groups were um, asked were asked for input. I think what we're missing right now is some real down and dirty information from people like you, people like me, people living all over this island, the musicians, the artists, the year-rounders, the seasonal. What do you want when it comes to housing? Do you want to live on the Cape? Would it be easier? Do you want to commute here if we had a faster boat, if the boats ran more often? Would that be something that's amenable to you? Uh, How do you want to live on Nantucket? I, I keep going back to one of my, in my mind, I keep going back to my friend who's my roommate at university, her job out of, out of university for six months was chasing behind garbage trucks for the city of Santa Barbara because the city of Santa Barbara was about to put a lot of money into their new uh, transfer station landfill. And they had kind of like we have, they have 
their paperwork says they have 10,000 people using their services and they're putting in two bags of garbage every week, but the numbers weren't adding up. They said, that's what we have on paper, but somehow we know there's about 40,000 bags going in every week. So where is that happening? Where is that information gap? So for six months, she chased garbage trucks and wrote down how many bags were being collected. Wow. City of Santa Barbara used that information to then develop, decide how they're going to spend their money when they put it into the new... Uh, it's not a landfill, but the transfer station waste management facility. And I think that's the kind of information we need right now in Nantucket is saying our, we know our census is inaccurate and incomplete. So we need to get information from people who are really living through this and see. And also from, you know, like you were saying, the tax break, let's ask the summer as what would you be willing to do? This is our problem. Our problems are your problems. Uh do you see how we can solve this? What are you willing to do? And I think that's what we're missing. I don't have the answers. I have some ideas of how we can find some of those answers, like getting that kind of information. But I think we're going to have to be creative. And I think we're going to have to get more information about what people actually want. Yeah. Well, and let's talk about the actual job. What's the uh, time commitment for uh, a select, board of select? You've got, it's a three-year term. And then you've got Wednesdays, almost every Wednesday in the summer. It's every other Wednesday, and there's some vacations. You have your meeting, and that can go anywhere from two to four hours. And then each week you have a packet that you have to get through um, that lists what's going to be on the agenda. You read through that, and then any of the interested parties that will be, uh, any of the things that will be discussed at the meetings on the Wednesdays, you then have to seek out people who are involved and get their point of view and things. So... It could be anywhere from 10 hours to 20 hours a week. And are there any yeah. other women on the select? Board? Yes. Dawn Hill Holdgate is, is already on the board. And how long has she been on the board? Two years, I believe. Two years. Yeah. It could be one year, 2015. And there's two seats open? Two seats open. Rick Atherton and Bobby DaCosta are Step retiring. On. Yep. Six people running. Did you talk to Tobias? Spoke to Tobias. Yeah. Very informational. Well, great, great guy. Absolute wealth of information. Yeah. So, and he's been very, really, really helpful in this whole process and, and was part and parcel of the seed being planted in my head to, to do it. He's, he really wants to see younger people get involved. Uh, yeah. I think it's great. I yeah. think that uh, it, can, it can only help, and especially, you know, people that have uh, a real, you have to have a passion for it. You do. Well, it's funny because I have, I I really do have a passion for infrastructure, water management, and really and truly, so much of my work has been um, mitigating a lot of these problems by the way we use our land. So that's where it does tie into the landscape design side of things is um, the green roofing that I was doing before I moved back to Nantucket was all about municipalities having problem with pollution runoff. How do you solve it? Who pays for it? Green roofs were part of the solution. So when I see sewers and runoff and stormwater management and water quality, those are things I get really excited about. And those are things that I'm really passionate about. Well, and that's good because we need it yeah. <laughs> big time. And I say yeah. that with uh, firsthand knowledge. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I'm not going to get in. I was, I was, wasn't sure if I was going to divulge my water 
situation, but uh, we we'll just save that for another podcast. Right. <laughs> but it's a real issue on Nantucket, and every not just Nantucket, everywhere. It's a huge issue, and I think you know the the brief conversation we did have earlier about it off off the record, off the record. folks, <laughs> off the record, <laughs> is that the problem with water is that it's really difficult to pinpoint the way when you look at watersheds and where everything's coming into a stream is is on Nantucket we really are all we need to understand we're all part of a watershed so everything we do uh that involves the soil we go outside we dump something into the soil we're part of a watershed we're affecting it so I think that in a lot of ways it's not a matter of pinpointing an exact one as an island with one aquifer we have to look at all the possible ways that our water is our water quality is being affected and addressed all of those and not wait until it becomes a problem. We have to, we know this is, this has happened time and time and time again. We can see what is going to happen very predictably. So if we don't start doing something now, we will leave ourselves with very few options. Yeah. With our water quality. Well, hopefully when you're on the board, you can make those (laughs) uh, policy decisions, clean things up. Give me your least favorite thing about Nantucket. (laughs) My least favorite thing. I feel like that's always telling, you know? It's like, what's your least favorite thing? My least favorite thing is the traffic in the summer. <laughs> I know. That's everyone's. The traffic I know. is just so uh, I... Five Corners? Come on. That's that. Five Corners. You could write a, a no, no, no. movie. What about if we had cameras? I would love to do that thing where you set up a camera above and record it for a day in August and then high, you know, speed that up. It would be this... Have you ever seen the movie Baraka? Yeah. It so would be just, just like that. Like fast. It would look like, you know, synchronized swimming or something. I think it would yeah. be amazing to Five to Corners is, is, an, is it's an amazing uh, yeah. anomaly of, of traffic situations. Yeah. What, then, Karen, do you need something, Karen? There's a... Oh. <laughs> Piper's There's... personal assistant. Oh, nice. We all need one. Piper's, um, Piper's already... Yeah, I know. I was just saying the, the things that... Uh, I think my least favorite is August, probably. August. But I love... I think the wintertime is great. I love the winter. I, I've said it to someone uh, yesterday. I have to be careful who I say that to. Really? I, mean, <laughs> I, I love it. I love the dump. I So I used to love... This is where, again... Because the dump is a great, the greatest equalizer... You know, like it's where you go on a Sunday. Everybody's yeah. yeah. I, I think the dump is amazing. I think uh, I I used to really 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 love the dump, and and this is one of the things that again I am passionate about and I'm actually excited about is looking at how we can make our dump better again. It used to be wonderful, and I think it's kind of you know I think I well, need. I we, didn't. That system's antiquated. Tobias was telling me that it's system were, antiquated now. They so, were sold a really bad bad system. Well, I think at the time it was, uh, Nantucket was ahead of the times with recycling and and the way we managed our waste. When those contracts were drawn up, when the dump opened and up until, I remember even being excited about it in 2003 when I first came out. I hadn't really seen a dump like that. And now uh, there's so many dumps out there that they've got it nailed. And that, and that for me is an island. We have to get on top of our waste and we just have to bring it up to date and we have to make it fun again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the take it or leave it was just I, when people came to visit, I took them there. That was I just thought it was oh, amazing. Finds, amazing finds. Yeah, take it or leave it. Yeah. So. Well, Rita Higgins, that's I've uh, done forty six minutes. All right. I, I hope that was uh, <laughs> I hope that was uh, good for you. I think that it's was... interesting. I'm I'm glad that you're running. I'm excited that uh, that you're going to be on the board of select. 
Maybe. You're going to win. Maybe. We're going to make We're going to make it. I'm going to will it. You got my vote right, right. there. Well, thanks. Inside the Whale supports Rita Higgins. You know? I think that's my first official endorsement. Endorsement. Yeah. No, I think it's great. And, uh, you know, we these are all issues that are, you know, you talked about. There's a million. We could even go into deeper uh, conversation, but it's good to get a feel for, you know, where you're at yeah. in your headspace going forward and jumping in the, the pool of Nantucket politics. That's it. Jumping in <laughs> feet first, head first. I don't thanks, know which. But thanks for doing it. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks all so right. much for having me. Right on. I think, uh, I think I'm really impressed with Rita. I think she's going to do a great job for this island. And uh, I can't thank you enough, Rita, for sitting down and talking. You know, it's a complex island, folks, that we live on. But it's, uh, it's manageable, and I think that uh, we need people with the vision. I think Rita's got that vision. So I know I'll sleep better at night knowing she's, she's helping make Nantucket awesome. So I want you to encourage you all to get out there and vote. Uh, let me see. What's the date? April 11th is the vote. That's an important, <laughs> important fact. April 11th, get out there and vote. Rita Higgins, you got my vote. I can't wait to see what you're going to do for this island. Thank you for taking the time to sit down on Inside the Whale. And that's it, folks. Episode 46. We're back. Thanks for the click. Keep on rocking. Get out there and enjoy this awesome island that is Nantucket. Just like your father